Welcome everyone to Spirited Discussions. I am your host, Lachlan Watt, a passionate alcoholic and alcohol educator with years of experience in both the spirits and bar industries. Throughout this series, we are going to explore the history and production of some of our favorite vibations, and in each episode, I'll be joined by an incredibly experienced guest. Together, we will delve into a topic with all of the information that you need to understand why you enjoy what you're drinking, as well as some fun tidbits to share with your friends. I'm so looking forward to taking you on this journey to discover the wonderful world of alcohol. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Spirited Discussions. Today, we will be discussing traditional Japanese alcohols, and I'll be joined by a friend of mine, Kelvin Lowe. We worked together in the past, but welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to to get to know you over the last 10 years, I think. Yeah, about 10 years, I yeah. would say. I think I met you when I first moved to Melbourne. You were um, working at the hotel at No, the Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. And I just started getting into whiskey and coming into the bar. And, and I believe I remember that very night <laughs> when I first met you as well. You yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it was definitely a turning point for me in my yeah. life. So I really appreciate Thank the, you. the involvement. My, my pleasure, mate. <laughs> um, before we get going into... Yep. Our topic today, mm-hmm. I'd like to get a little bit of your history in the industry. Yeah, well, I first came to Melbourne about in 2008. Yep. Uh, landed a job in a Japanese restaurant. Yeah. It was a fine dining restaurant called Shoya and uh, lots of sake there. Yeah. Lots of wines. Whole bunch of other alcohols. Yeah. I yeah. guess that was my first experience with Japanese alcohol. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I did a couple of years at that restaurant. We opened up a new restaurant after that. And from there, I fell in love with whiskey. Fantastic. Is that, that was the one on Burke Street, right? That was the one on, on Burke, Burke Street, Street in Melbourne. Yeah. That was Heirloom Restaurant. Yeah. yeah. So I was managing that for about four years or so. And I honestly really wanted to do something on my own. Yeah. And I was really deep into my whiskey journey already. And so I had to, yeah, really do something else. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And so where's that taking you now? So now I've got a whiskey bar in Fitzroy. Yep. So the Elysian Whiskey Bar. Yeah. And, and you own that with Yao Wong. Yep. Uh, it's been six and a half years now for that yeah. one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's Jesus. been good. It's it been a been crazy a long, journey. Yeah. It's been good to see it grow. And you've also yep. got a restaurant as well. And I also co-own a restaurant called Kura. Yep. Uh, that's in Brunswick East. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's more like a sake bar slash yakitori kind of restaurant. Yeah. So lots of skewers, lots of sake by the glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My wife, Lindsay, and I went there one night for um, my birthday. Mm-hmm. It was incredible restaurant to go to. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, the people there, the service was incredible. Sakes were incredible. Yep. Plenty, plenty of options available yeah. by the glass. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Um, now, like I mentioned, we worked together for a very brief period of time. We've known each other for almost 10 years now. Yeah. Um, you and I work together at the bar that I work at currently, which is Whiskey and Ailman. Mm-hmm. Before you went off and opened your your bar, yep. the Elysian, you were a very uh, guiding figure in my my journey through alcohol as a whole. You helped me get my first job in the whiskey industry, which was with <laughs> Joey Tai, who's that also right. showed up on an episode here. Yep, um, and helped me get my job at Whiskey and Ailman now, where where I work currently. So it's been an absolute pleasure to to nah, work with you. Always along happy this to help. Time and you know, get to know you over these years. So I really appreciate... No problems at all. Anytime Everything. For you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think we might dive right in. Okay. With every episode, we 
to a 60 second history of our topic, which ah. is Japanese booze. Right. Now, I never make it in 60 seconds. I'll get 60 you to seconds, time me. Yeah. Give me a hard time about okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, Let's get a timer up. They're, uh, they're <laughs> such dense topics, and there's always thousands of years Man, of history. Man, this is thousands of years, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We'll try and keep it as brief as possible. All right. I don't think I've made a single one yet. <laughs> Go for it. Well, there is some very early evidence of fermentation of fruit in Japan going back to around 5000 BCE. This was mostly just small berries making a very robust uh, rudimentary sort of wine. But then we don't really see what we consider traditional alcohols in Japan start to form until around 1000 BCE with the introduction of rice from mainland Asia. And people were just basically chewing it up and allowing the amylase in our saliva to break it down and spitting it out and then Halfway fermenting there. with the ambient yeast. Then we don't see the mention of koji kin until around the 11th century and then distillation around the 15th century. So we start to see mm -hmm. sake and shochu start to develop around that period of time. And then they went through their period of seclusion around the 1600s and we don't see the influence of Western style liquor Ten until... Seconds. Jesus, around the 18, uh, 1860s. And now we've got all of these Three, new world Japanese two, spirits and everything one. happening. And I think I made it. <laughs> Whoa, good job. Yeah. Good job. Fantastic. Ooh. All right. That's the first time ever. Awesome. I really am proud of myself there. Well all done. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's dive in. So, all right. What was your, you mentioned briefly your first experience with Japanese alcohol at that restaurant. That's right. Um, was it sake exclusively? Or? Yeah, there was a lot of sake. There was wines as well. Yeah. I never really got into wine because I've got a really bad memory. Yeah. And well. <laughs> for me, honestly, if you really want to enjoy wine and fully get into wine, remembering yeah. vintages is crucial. Vintages is the hardest part. 100%. Um, remembering what the weather was in a particular area for that year. Exactly. I it's, don't know, man. It's a difficult thing to go through. <laughs> yeah. We already put so much, uh, allow so much real estate in our memory 100%. for everything else we do. So You need to remember grape variety is the name of the actual wine itself, then vintages on top. So yeah. stuff that. So I, I got into sake yeah. with the restaurant there. We had a really, really good amount of sake variety. And uh, some of them were exclusive to this restaurant. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So after work, you know, like we all do. Yeah. <laughs> and we all enjoy a drink after work. We enjoy a couple of drinks. We take out these bottles. We did so many blind tastings as well. My manager, my supervisor at the time, they, they were very, very helpful, very influential. Yeah. So they would sit me down, bring out a few different sakes and honestly talk me through them. Yeah. So it was, yeah, really an eye opener. And I, I learned so much in those few years there. Yeah. And well... Let's kind of define some of these terms. Mm -hmm. like we, we're going to talk about what sake and shochu is throughout this tasting. But yep. sake is effectively a rice beer or a rice wine. A rice wine, yeah. It yeah. calls it to a wine kind of. Yeah. Um, because it's effectively just grain yep. fermented using, we mentioned kojikin before, which That's is right. a, a mold mm -hmm. that they, uh, which is native originally to yep. that kind of eastern part of Asia. That's right, yeah. Um, and it basically it eats carbohydrate, yep. right? And mm -hmm. spits out sugar. It converts starch to sugar, yeah, so yeah, yeah, pretty much, so that the yeast can work on that sugar. Yeah. And rice is a basically a little nugget of starch. Really hot mm, nugget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing else in there yep. apart from just starch. And pretty so much. We need to break that down to start to ferment it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Certain ways. So mm -hmm. there are a couple of ways we can do that, which is either with amylase or with this mold. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very crucial to a lot of. Very crucial and a very unique process as well. Yeah. In most distill or fermentation. 
you normally see them preparing like the malt. Like yeah. in whiskey, you prepare the malt first, yeah. we ferment on it later. Yeah. With sake production, you know, the breaking down with the koji kin, that happens at the same time as uh, fermentation. Yeah. So, so they both, yeah, during the same period of time, it's breaking down plus fermenting at the same time. Yes. Yeah. It, well, it is a, pe- a process of fermentation, like mm-hmm. koji kin. Yeah. Um, where basically, the, uh, from my understanding, they steam the rice. That's right. Um, bring it down to around room temperature, mm-hmm. so between 20 and 30 degrees Celsius mm-hmm. and between 90 and 100% humidity. Yes, that's right. And allow the inoculate it with koji mold and have to keep it there for, I believe, two or three weeks. Um, oh, this part might have to cut yeah. out, but I think it's two days. Two I days? It's two days, yeah. yeah. Um, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> so um, I think it's 33 to 38 degrees Yeah. and high humidity, like you mentioned, 91%. Yeah. And you throw this koji kin onto the rice and it starts preparing the mold. This pre- preparation of the koji kin. Yeah. Uh, you then add this to your other part of the steam rice, and that's when the yeast and the koji all start working together. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And um, the yeast is a very high-tolerance yeast. So yes. I know it's a bit technical, but a lot of the, the uh, yeast used around the world are not that tolerant to mm-hmm. high alcohols, but sake yeast, the yeast they use to make sake is yep. very, very tolerant, up to, I think, but... 20% alcohol by volume. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Which is mental. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah. And it gets very technical as well once you delve into, you know, uh, yeah. sake so productions. Yeah. It is. And it is it is a very broad category. We don't mm-hmm. see a lot of it over here yep. or understand it to the full extent that we could. It's growing very fast. Yeah. Yeah. The amount, well, the, the world is absolutely obsessed with Japan at the moment from their food to their booze to the culture to... To everything. Everything, yeah. every element of Japanese uh, culture is just, uh, the world is obsessed with. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you would have seen that with your restaurant as well. With Japanese food, 100%. Japanese yeah. food. It's over the we've last, seen it with Japanese whiskey. Yeah, Japanese whiskey, we've seen that <laughs> just rise and kind of, of yeah. well, continue rising. Still really. high, still Yeah, high. still mm-hmm. going. And people are just becoming more and more obsessed with Japan. Which Definitely. Especially being in Australia as well, the long yeah. history, you know? Yeah, long history, yeah. long relationship. That's it. And a lot of that comes down to how unique Japanese culture is as well. Yep. Being post that Edo period, that uh, uh, period of seclusion as well. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique part of the world. So yep. it is really great to see the, these styles of booze getting out there and exploding the way they yeah, are. Yeah, and it deserves to be, right? Yeah. So many hundreds of years of history. Exactly. And, and it's only now that the, the rest of the world is starting to appreciate it. So there's all these terms for, uh, within sake production yep. that aren't really explained to us on the, the product. So, for example, we're drinking this sake here, which is a Junmai Daiginjo. Mm-hmm. Let's break down some of these terminologies. So I guess we should start with the base kind of range of sake, which is yeah, yeah. which is called a, a zojo shu. Mm-hmm. What is that? Zojo shu is actually quite a unique one. I think this category we don't see too often. No, it's basically, from my understanding, the, the kind of lowest end of the spectrum. It's the cheapest, it's had neutral alcohol added 100%, to it. 100%, yeah. yeah. And I think it was widely drank during, like after the war yeah. time, because, you know, there was not enough rice to go around. Exactly. You know? Not enough for people to eat. Let alone make sake. Make sake, yeah. yeah. So they just so add neutral alcohol to spread it further. Just to, yeah, pretty much bulk it up. Yeah. And, and a lot of flavoring agents were added to it. Amino acids, souring yeah. agents, all those kind of things. All of that. And I believe it's also mostly the stuff you'll get in cheap bars uh, that serve it 
really, really hot, so you don't even notice it. All warmed up sake yeah. tastes the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you've got the next category, which would be um, futsushu, I believe. Yeah. So futsushu, I guess, is the most consumed category yeah. of sake in Japan. I would say about 75% of sake is consumed in Japan. It's around in, in this category. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's a similar thing, just less alcohol at it. Still got a little bit, but you know, less polished rice, less alcohol. Less polished rice. So anything that doesn't meet, you know, the, the ginjo categories. Yeah. Um, anything that doesn't meet all the other stricter, stricter um, regulations. regulations, it falls into futsushu. Yeah. That's why 75% of it is in this category. Which, you know, it doesn't mean it's bad, right? No. It's just uh, cheaper to make. You yeah. can yeah, get it on the shelves for much, much cheaper. Exactly. Mm. And again, you'll see it a lot in restaurants. Definitely. And it'll still be warmed up a lot of the time as well. So. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then, yeah, we're going into the the pure rice sake. So junmai. The junmai is pure rice yeah. always. So none of this added alcohol. None you know? of this added alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's always just uh, kojikin fermented, basically rice, water, kojikin yeast. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit of filtration. Yep. Mostly heat treated as well, as I believe, like pasteurized. It depends. You yeah. know, I, still, I guess the big category is the junmais versus the non-junmais, yeah. right? And you will have a big debate if you talk to sake experts, you know. Yeah. Some will. Some are adamant that junmai shoes is the way, only way to go. Yeah. And some people will say, nothing wrong with not being pure rice, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. point of difference, really, Point of difference, it? and yeah. you would find every sake brewer has their own special technique. Exactly. And it's it's also, it's, it's such an old style of uh, production. Yeah. And it's um, got all this tradition, and Japan is a very traditional part of the world, right? They're, they're very, really yeah. proud and very very structured around their tradition and how they treat it, so... Yep. Um, holding on to those traditions on different parts of regions of Japan, producing mm -hmm. in certain ways mm -hmm. based on that is, is very important to them. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Junmai is basically the category of pure rice sake. That's it. But then and we go into our other terminologies like Ginjo. That's right. Yeah. So Ginjo is. Ginjo tells you the level of milling of the rice. Yeah. So you got Ginjo. Uh, so they mill off up to about 40% of yep. the outer layer of the rice. Yeah. So you've got 60% left. Yeah. Right, that, so the, that the, falls basically under the, the, the almost the entire core of the the rice grain. Sixty percent left, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and dai then you ginjo. got dai ginjo, yeah. And they would remove at least fifty percent of the outer layers, yeah. And it so goes only half all of the rice left. And further down, you got some people going as low as thirty-five percent left. Yeah, twenty-five percent left. I've definitely had some that are going down to like ten to fifteen percent. Yeah, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah, and imagine you're, you're just throwing away ninety percent <laughs> of your whole rice. Exactly. Definitely not cheap. <laughs> no, very much so. Yeah, but I guess what they want with this category of the high daiginjos is to really capture the essence of the rice, you know? Yeah. Get the very core of it. That's where all the sweetness is. Yeah. You don't have all these proteins from the outer layers interfering no. with the You're flavor. You're basically just getting the pure starch at the, the center. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got these old styles, which we don't see very often anymore. And they're not really categorized. Um, mm -hmm. Very frequently, but you got things like namazake, yep. which is basically a unpasteurized, yeah, yeah chunmai, mm. unpasteurized, yep. unfiltered. So it'd be a bit cloudy, it'll be a bit challenging. Yeah. So without the pasteurization, I guess you're really tasting it a very fresh sake. Yeah. 
And uh, very if, honest. A very honest sake, <laughs> definitely, yeah. yeah. And sometimes, you know, it could even still be fermenting. When you pop that lid, yeah. it fizzes. Yeah. <laughs> it pops, yeah. Yeah, and they, there are fizzy sakes out there. There, there are those ones as well. actively trying to promote that as well. Yep. So today in Australia, we're seeing a lot more namazakes coming in. Yeah. And they are really, really cool. That's one of my favorite categories. My yeah. actual favorite category is mm -hmm. uh, Nigorazake. Ooh. Yeah, which is the, the entirely ones. unfiltered, yep. funky, you know. Yeah. Is. It's like a Korean makgeolli. You're yeah. drinking a very rough, like a rice, like a blended yeah. <laughs> crushed rice wine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really unfiltered. Yeah. Really incredible fermented rice product that just. Yep. It, great texture. Great texture. Mm. Um, great structure behind it. You're definitely. tasting the product itself, you know. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely my favorite category. And unfortunately, it's one that you don't see often. Not too many. Yeah. No. Because people still don't really understand that category. There's a brewery in Sydney that occasionally makes a Nigorozake style. Oh, no way. Um, which is Yuli's Brewing in um, Sydney. Right, right, right. And they occasionally make some. And it's absolutely spectacular. Got to check that one out. Yeah. yeah. So we, we mentioned that, that we've been tasting this Junmai Daiginjo, yes. which is... So we went this. through those, those terms. Junmai being pure rice. Daiginjo meaning it's been at least polished to 50%. That's right. And so it is that bit brighter, bit lighter. Usually a bit fruitier. Yeah. Um, you get more sweetness coming out, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of this uh, mm. really creamy sweetness, almost like milk yep. bottle lollies and yeah, really, really bright citrus and orchard fruits coming through. Yep. Which is really nice. This really one. incredible, mm. yeah. How do you normally drink your sake? These days, to be honest, I put my sake, I, I drink it chilled. Yeah. And I normally like drinking it from a wine glass. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've been to Kura, you see all our sakes are served in a wine glass. Yeah. Uh, unless requested to be served traditionally. Yeah. And as we know, you know, in a wine glass, you definitely appreciate the aroma so much more. They're designed for that, right? They're designed 100% yeah. for that. I mean, we're drinking out of a more traditional sake uh, vessel now, but... We're talking about the tradition. Yeah, it is, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it yeah. is, it, it's um, definitely more appreciated out of wine glass. Definitely. And, you know, the more we can smell the product, the more yeah. we're going to taste as well and appreciate more. Yeah. It's also a great thing to use in mixed drinks as well, in Definitely. cocktails and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a few cocktails with sake recently, mm, cool. um, which is actually why I've got this bottle because I use it in, <laughs> in a cocktail. But it is, it's a great thing to mix with. If you treat it like wine and Definitely. you want to add a bit more depth and character to, yep. to some drinks, it's a great thing to yeah, add. Yeah, I think sakes are used a lot in uh, martinis. Yeah. Know? yeah. If you think of it maybe as a vermouth, Vermouth or yeah, like a, a, sherry, a dry sherry or something yep. like that. It's exactly. a great, great thing to give mm. you a bit more complexity and depth in your drinks. Yep. I recently did a hot buttered sake with uh, oh, wow. a, a, a Nigoro sake style as well. So that would be big, fantastic fatty, for that. Savory, yeah. Yeah. And that texture. Yeah, it was incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. When, am, when am I going to try one? <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, that's long gone. That was last winter. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, such a fun category to, to play with and to yep. enjoy. And you can get it in... Most restaurants as well. Yeah. And the beauty about being here now, we've got so many more importers in Australia. Yes, absolutely. And they're all taking care to make sure they, they transport the sake in the best method they can. And in fact, some brewers or breweries in Japan, yep. they will not sell their sake internationally. Unless, Unless you can prove how you're going to transport it. Cold shipped. Cold shipped. Yeah, cold stored. Yeah, yeah minus properly. whatever degrees, all yeah, this kind of stuff. Yeah, treated properly, treated That's carefully. It. 
Otherwise, so, they rather not sell. Like like yeah. we said, it's they're very proud and upholding their traditions and with what they're producing That's and want to make sure that people are getting the yeah. best experience from what they're doing. What's the point of selling it internationally if the final product tastes what's shit? The, what's <laughs> the point of producing it if people are not going to enjoy it? That's it. So yeah. I really respect that kind of uh, that pride and that that sense of upholding your your product and uh, yep. your traditions, and not just well. chasing the big bucks. You know? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's that's why people are so um, obsessed with Japan. Obsessed with Japan <laughs> at the moment. So we mentioned shochu as well, which yep. is another native Japanese spirit. I think we might pour ourselves some. Let's and then, go. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, so what, what have you got here first? So what we've got here is from the Asakura. Um, distillery, which is a sake and shochu producer, right? And this here is a barley, uh, shochu, a barley shochu, right? Which is quite unique, but it's again a regional style, right? So certain regions mm-hmm. would grow more barley or buckwheat or rice, and yep. they would produce their shochu. So shochu in general, I would say, is more consumed in Kyushu, which is yep. the South Island of Japan. Yep. Um, this term. If you look at the kanji of alcohol in, in Japanese, the kanji just says sake. It means yeah. sake. And I guess it's a broad term. It covers everything from whiskey to gin, to brandy, sake, like shochu, nihonshu. Yeah. What we just had earlier is actually called nihonshu in Japan. Yeah. And this is a kind of sake. But in Kyushu, when you mention sake, they straight away actually reach out for a shochu yeah. rather than a bottle of nihonshu. Yeah. And that tells you, you know, how much they're into shochu itself. And when you go further down south of Kyushu, when you end up in Kagoshima, yep. I guess that's the, really the heartland of shochu. Yeah, and a lot of the distilleries down there, because it's a bit too warm uh, for them as well to, to produce a lot of sake, I believe. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. for Nihonshu production, it's very much lesser. Yeah. That's why they focus on the shochus, yeah. yeah. And they do a lot of sweet potato or emo joshu down yeah. there, yeah. So shochu origi- well, originates as a basically a distilled sake, a That's distilled right. koji spirit, mm-hmm. um, and normally consumed as a white spirit after a single distillation. So around yep. forty to fifty percent alcohol by volume. That's right, typically, and around five percent of shochus are matured nowadays. So what we've tasted here is an eight-year-old shochu matured in bourbon casks. This one smells amazing. Yeah. I haven't even tasted. Cheers, mate. Cheers. So made from barley comparatively to rice, but nowadays. Shochu is made from barley, buckwheat, rice, sweet potatoes, as you mentioned. Anything you can ferment. I believe uh, there's also a shochu. sugar beet um, yep. shochu out there. A lot of root plants are being yep. used. Yeah. And then obviously you got your barley and your rice and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And as the main defining factor is the kojikin. Yep. Everything's treated with kojikin, of course. That is right. Yeah. Because it creates that, uh, that really unique flavor profile, which has that slight umami kind of. Yeah. Thing to it that's like uh, almost a lactic mommy mm-hmm. character that you get from koji fermentation mm-hmm. this one is amazing wow yeah i'll be but honest i haven't tried too many barrel aged shochu as you said most of them are consumed white unaged unaged straight off the still normally they're really really fresh you know yeah yeah, yeah really light vibrant that's bright. it this one is it's Fantastic. got a bit more dense and complex. We're starting to see more and more barrel-aged shochu, but we're also seeing matured shochus in other ways. I was reading yes. an article recently about a shochu that was matured in glass demijohns for 38 years. Wow, okay. Which would be entirely oxidative aging, right? In glass. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I've seen a lot of them aged in clay pots. Yeah, they, yeah. Um, similar to a uh, wine amphora, right? That's right. 
So, Similar concept, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I've seen a lot of those as well. But right. They're still a white spirit. They, you know. Yeah, the clay pot's not going to give you much color. You know, no, no, you not might at see all. a slight, slight browning, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Very, very little. But then we're starting to see more and more barrel age stuff and getting older as well. Getting older as as we get access to, or as they get more access to oak barrels, you know, maybe yep. from the whiskey industry. Yeah. Then yeah, why why not use them? Absolutely. I know these guys produce one that's matured in uh, sherry casks oh, cool. and cognac casks and. All that, and yeah. having fun with it. For the longest time, I guess Japan was, in a way, afraid to experiment. And now they're at the stage where there is a demand for this kind of products. People want to see True. more exciting things, you know? And, and more traditional alcohols that are more exciting. Yep. Because, again, that obsession has driven them to go, okay, yep. this is traditional stuff. We want to see a bit more variation. That's in it. it, yeah. And more and more of the younger community are consuming shochu. Yeah. It used to be like whiskey. It was the old man's drink. Yeah. Um, and only in certain parts of Japan as that's well. That's it, yeah. yeah. Honestly, now you see young, like people in their 20s, they're enjoying shochu. Well, there's also a whole range of shochu RTDs. Shochu ready RTDs. To drink cans, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, the, the Suntory Zero, that's a shochu drink. That's right. They're super tasty. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're great. Yeah, um, Shochu highballs, you know? Shochu highballs. That's, that's uh, really pushing that category. And it's it's such a great thing. It's also a very culturally um, uh, important spirit because they use it to celebrate, you know, the marriage of two people. That's you know, right, yeah. A similar tradition to what we see in Scotland with the quake being passed around at that's a wedding right. and everyone celebrates that union. Yeah with taking a sip of whiskey from the same pewter That's bowl. Mm -hmm. They do a very similar tradition in Jap traditional Japanese weddings yep. with shochu. Yeah, so it's celebrated, you know, Nihonshu and shochu as yeah. well. In, in during New Year, during yep. marriages, like you said, celebration of a birth. Yep, it's celebrating this, this life. This is a very important yeah, alcohol. Everything yeah. between life and death is That's celebrating. It. Mm -hmm. um, and I really, I really Big love part that. of the culture. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking before, one of my favorite pieces of alcohol history is the very first written evidence of mm -hmm. consumption of this shochu. Yep. Um, I'm actually going to grab my mm -hmm. book and um, read it out because it is an incredible little anecdote that I love telling people because <laughs> um, it's from the 1550s, 1559. Yep. And that's roughly when shochu started. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Around the between 14th and 15th century, distillation yep. arrived. That's right. Um, and it's around Kyushu. Mm -hmm. So the heartland of shochu. Yeah, exactly. And two carpenters were doing some work for their local temple. Okay. And they graffitied one of the pieces of timber that <laughs> they put in place. Graffiti existed then. Yeah. <laughs> and the graffiti, well, has been translated, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and it said, the head priest here is such a tightwad. <laughs> he didn't give a shochu even once. What a nuisance. And then they signed and dated that desecration. And that was engraved into the wall? Engraved into oh, the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, it's they have to remove I just that love, one. <laughs> I love that they signed and dated it. Nice. It's just um, the most polite way to <laughs> <laughs> stuff you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is so culturally significant. Yep. And we're, I'm glad we're starting to see more of it and some more experimentation in it. Yep. Um, and people are starting to understand it a bit more. 100%. Yeah. Like I've, I said, with these importers here as well, they're slowly educating people as they go along. Yeah. Doing lots of masterclasses, dinners and whatnot. And yeah, it's just awesome time to be in. The funny thing about mature shochu is if it's made from grain, we can genuinely call it whiskey. The only reason we don't is they're proud to say it's a mature shochu. Exactly. And I guess what you mentioned earlier, you know, because 
there was Koji Kin involved. Yeah. And maybe because of that, you can't call it really whiskey. In different parts of the world, maybe. Yeah. But I, I doubt it would pass in Scotland. Yeah. It'd be hard, I don't know. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, well, you know, you... From all definitions of what whiskey is globally, it yep. it would it would pass muster in most of the world, yep. which is mm-hmm. good to see. But they're, they're proud to just say, this is our shochu, this is the way we like it. That's, That's it. it. Yeah, Enjoy we, it. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to change what uh, how we're talking about our product. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really appreciate that honesty about what it is. And We're yeah. talking, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of history, right? All right. Why and should they change it? You know, exactly. Just, just to please the crowd or... Yeah. Please, regulations, really. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. to make a quick buck quite easily. That's you know? it. Yeah. Because they could. They could slap the word whiskey on it. And in the whiskey climate now, yep. sell it for twice as much and it, not worry about it. But they don't. But they don't now. No. Stick to tradition. It's very proud, very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any kind of brands of shochu or, or nihonshu that you've come across? Brands of Nihonshu. Really wow, there was one that honestly I was really, really excited about. I tasted it maybe about three, four weeks ago. Yeah. It's a new brand out of Hokkaido. Really? Yeah. So Hokkaido, the far north island. Far north island of Japan. Yeah, Sapporo and Ryoichi yep. and all that area. So I believe every prefecture has a limit to how many sake brewer, brewing license they can hand out. Yeah. And at that time, Hokkaido was saturated or there wasn't enough. And... Um, they had to actually get a license from a different prefecture, but then right. con- somehow converted it and used it in Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. So that was step one. And step two, these guys are just really pushing the boundaries and uh, really making a, a very flavorful sake. Nihonshu, yeah. yeah. So I, th- I think the sake brewery is called Kamikawa Taisetsu. Really, really l- small production. Um, I believe less than ten percent is exported out of right. Japan, and every most of it would also be consumed on Hokkaido as well. You are spot on. Yeah, not even the mainland of Japan gets it. Yeah, yeah. so every, most production, most of what they produce, is consumed there in Hokkaido itself. Yeah, that'd be incredible. Come over to my place, or I'll bring some around. <laughs> Honestly, I tasted it. I had to order some straight away. It was that bloody good <laughs> yeah. yeah there was also a sake i had at your restaurant at mm-hmm. kura um on my birthday i think it was last year this time well february last year mm-hmm. and it was this the noguchi naohiko right, sake right, right. institute do you remember that one i do remember this very well it was absolutely spectacular yep and so noguchi-san yeah is like the godfather of sake in Japan. Right. He's been in the industry, oh, I want to say 60, 70 years. Fantastic. 60 years, yeah. And he's still there. He's got his institute, research institute. And they're, they're still training people up. They're experimenting, creating different yeasts and all. Oh, that's incredible. So really pushing the boundaries there, yeah. So, so that's one of his sakes. Rather than exclusively sticking to tradition, trying to... Yeah, you know, in a way, innovate, develop it a bit further. That's it. But you know, without forgetting what it actually it is. Yep. Which is yeah, that's exciting to hear. His sakes are really amazing. Yeah, yeah. I um, <laughs> I definitely have been on the lookout for for some for myself. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me know. Yeah, <laughs> I will actually. That'd be um, that'd be great to have. Yeah. Uh, at home at any time. Do you guys import any sake? Yourselves? I don't import any sake. Uh, no, and just work with suppliers and. That's it. Back to our conversation earlier. The transportation of sake is so tricky. Yeah. The cold shipment, you need all these big containers, you know, yeah. that, that's really it's hard. It's expensive. It is expensive, yeah. yeah. So we work with a lot of distributors and uh, we sometimes try to get some things that are exclusive to Kura. 
So over the past a year and a half, we have had maybe three different lines that were exclusive only to Kura in Australia. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, one of it was like a, it had a yakitori label. Yeah. And on this label, there were like maybe 10 different yakitori skewers. Oh, fantastic. And uh, they were all, each skewer was drawn by a different yakitori master in Japan. Right. Yeah. The owner of this is a uh, yakitori place. Each of them contributed one drawing and they put it all on that label. That's incredible. It was a really yeah. nice, simple, clean whiskey. Uh, sorry, sake. But it goes well <laughs> with, with all, yeah, yakitori. Yeah, that's that's. It's such a it's such a great pairing that yakitori yeah. and um and sake, right? It, great, great, great. Yeah. There's, and there's these so, days in house parties as well. Yeah. I find myself bringing more and more Nihon shoes. Yeah. To to the house parties, you know, again to share these amazing products. And also, yeah, slowly, slowly educating people. I think you've definitely done that before when we've met up with yeah. a couple of our friends, Tom and Joey. So That's it. With Japanese alcohol, we've seen a massive new world influence, a Western style alcohol yep. influence. So we've got gins being made in Japan now. Mm. We've got obviously whiskey. This year is 100 years. Of 100 years in Japan. now, yeah. Which is very exciting here. We're going to be partying quite a lot throughout the year. I think so. I'm I hope sure. so. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait until all of the the um, hundred year releases yep. drop later in the year. It'll be fantastic. Yeah, I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we've got all of these new world alcohols happening over basically it's in the last hundred years. Are, yep. are there any things that you really enjoy at the moment? Well, the gin category is exploding right now in Japan, globally. like globally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at Australia, look at around the world. And Japan is the same, you know? Yeah. So we've got even the big houses, yeah? The whiskey makers, Suntory. They, they always had a gin. Yeah, they did. But they, they've they... pushed it further now uh, and they've come up with a Roku gin. Yeah. Which is really exciting, you know? you got Sakura flowers in there. you yeah. got all these other Two different tea leaves. Teas, yeah. Um, a few other things as well. That's it. It is an incredible gin. Um, you see also uh, the Mars Whiskey Company. Yeah. They also have a lovely gin. Yeah, and then do. we see in Kyoto, Kinobi Distillery. Kinobi, uh, Kinobi uh, is an incredible gin. Yeah. And, you know, they built that distillery, gin distillery, right at the height of Japanese whiskey. Yeah. The owners of Kinobi Gin actually came from massive whiskey background. Yeah. Yeah. They had distribution rights to Karurizawa. They own so many barrels of Karizawa. And uh, Karizawa is a very sought after whiskey. As it you know. is. It's, yeah. a, it's the, you know, it's almost the platinum of whiskey. In, of Japanese yeah. whiskey, 100%. That and Hanyu closed distilleries. That's right. Yeah. But long you know, forgotten. at the height of all that, they were like, we're going to build a gin distillery. And when I honestly, when I heard that news, I was honestly shocked. It's incredible. It's such an odd decision to odd make. Odd decision. Yeah. For these whiskey guys to start a gin distillery and not make whiskey at all, right? Yeah. It is. It, but, it, you know, you taste that gin today, fantastic. They've absolutely nailed it. And yep. it's only been coming into Australia for the last five or so years. Yeah, about five years, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. And because it came in, I think, from memory, just after you guys opened Elysian. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, that's the first time I saw it yeah. and I was blown away, yeah. absolutely blown away by it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just really good quality product. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't say it's entry level gene, you know, but then you pay that extra dollars and you, you get a really fantastic gene. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've good, got, good product. it is an incredible product mm-hmm. and good, you know, solid price. It is a little yeah. bit expensive on the expensive side yeah. for a gin, but 
I think it's worth it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And apart from these big guys, you know, you see a lot of sake brewers, shochu makers, all of them are starting to put out a kind of gin. Yeah. The, the um, person who imports this, shochu, mm-hmm. Amy, that we, uh, the shochu we've just tasted, she brings in a gin, which is made from a shochu base, which is called right, Yokotsuki, right, right, right. Um, which is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're starting to see all these small producers coming Definitely. up and popping up. and They're all in that innovation phase right now, right? Playing yeah. with traditional Local Japanese products, yeah. products and what's around them, what they've got yep. on hand and mm-hmm. trying to keep it centralized as That's well, it. which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. We've also got some brandy being made in Japan. We've, we've yeah. actually had that for 90 odd years. That's but. right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Japan's been making it for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Like said. yeah we've been, but they've been making a, a fruit, fruit, liquor, brandies, yeah, fruit yeah, liquor yeah. for a long time. Yep. Yep. And be it wine or or brandy mm-hmm. and there's the apple brandy that i i know we both really love from so nikas apple yeah, brandy nikas you know? apple brandy That's from really hokkaido good. yep which doesn't come over here uh, no it doesn't no not yet at least no. yeah. fingers crossed fingers crossed yeah. and uh santori has had they own a few wineries you know yeah so santori also makes a lot of great brandies you know? yeah and they don't come over here they either. also they don't are get over exclu- here almost exclusively yep. for japan but in japan they're not expensive they're really affordable um and, and a fairly good product, right? Yeah, I've tasted a few of them. They're, they're, they're really solid. I still mm-hmm. arguably prefer the Nikka apple brandy over yep. the Suntory brandy. Yeah. But, you know, that's just my own personal preference, mm-hmm. but it is yeah. what it is. So in this category of Japanese brandy, I guess, that, that category is still really untouched. Yeah. Still infant stages. It is. Uh, not, not, not young, infant, but, but, you know, it's a slow category. Yeah, it's a slow category. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have a lot of growth at the moment. So yeah. there's no point in really putting a lot of energy. That's right. Yeah. And then we've got, obviously, we've mentioned whiskey a few times. We'd yep. be remiss to not mention, talk a bit more about Japanese whiskey. Because mm-hmm. it is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. Yeah. We would have done it. We, we've done an episode on, on whiskey as well. So yep. we'll break that down a bit further. But in Japan exclusively... We've got the big, the big guys like Suntory mm-hmm. and Nika, mm-hmm. which we've mentioned. So Suntory, we're celebrating 100 years 100 of Suntory years, yeah. uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And then Nika starts in 34, That's 1934. Right. But then we've also got seen this really big boom of new distilleries in Japan since oh, 20... So many. Well, basically 2008 was the, the start of that boom. Yep. But it really kind of picked up around 2016. That's right. Do you have any favorites of the new distilleries around Japan that we should be looking at? Oh, yeah. That's a, definitely a few. Um, Shizuoka Distillery. Shizuoka, yeah. Yeah, that's in Shizuoka. So really, really good spirit. Very yep. fruity spirit. Yeah. And they even, you know, uh, when Karuizawa closed down, they even bought a still. From pot Kar- still from yeah. Karuizawa. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they have one of that and then they got a few more like newer pot stills as well. Yeah. So their spirit is fantastic. Down south in Kagoshima... We saw two new distilleries, you know. And they're two of my favorites yep. as well, which is Tsunuki and exactly. Kanosuke. Exactly right. So Tsunuki, as we know, is from the Mars company. Yeah. They have one distillery up in um, Komagatake Mountain. Yeah. And then now this is the second one way down south. So two very different climates, different production methods as well. Yeah. And uh, the Tsunuki spirit is, again, real fruity, but real fatty. Robust. Yeah. yeah real oily. fatty. Yeah. And I just, I'm absolutely obsessed with what they Great liquid. Great, great spirit. Four releases that I've tasted so far, yep. including the, the first two they did for the Tokyo Olympics, mm-hmm. and then one single cask and one limited release. Nice. Blown away. Yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic. And they're experimenting a lot more with peat as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which is nice to see out of Japan. We don't yeah. see enough of peated whiskey. 
Well, and most of them are also using Scottish peated barley. Yes, that's right. But yeah. we're going to, in the near future, see yep. a fully Japanese product from Japanese barley, Japanese peat, and Japanese oak, which yep. I'm very excited for. It, save up for that. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think it'll yeah. be worth tasting just for, your, for our own education. Definitely. Right? And yeah, the other one in Kagoshima is Kanosuke, as we know. That is also another really, really fantastic distillery. Yeah. Yeah, they um they make a yeah again a more fruit driven spirit, um more syrupy in texture, less of that oily fattiness. Yeah. You know, yeah, very clean, very bright. But they also make a little bit of peated whiskey as well. They do, they do. Yeah, yeah. small amount, but yeah, you know it yeah. is. And these guys are interesting because their their main product for that company is actually shochu, as we yeah. talked about before, because yeah. they're in Kagoshima. Yeah. So they also use a lot of their shochu barrels to age their whiskeys. Yeah. They were all, they've been a shochu producer for a very long time. <sighs> Hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they've just started making whiskey recently. Very recently. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going from strength to strength. So That's they're it. part of the Diageo Distilled Ventures program. They are right now. Which, so yeah. to explain that a bit further, um, our local hero Starwood are part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Diageo being one of the world's biggest booze producers. Yeah. They are trying to, they've created this program to support young distilleries and help them get up on their feet. Yep. So they put a little bit of investment in 100%. with intention to buy them out at a certain period of time if yep. they meet a certain set of targets. That's right? it. So Katosuke is part of that, mm-hmm. which means they've obviously caught the attention of that big company. Which shows you something, you know? It yeah, does, yeah. Exactly. And it just shows you how good they are going to be That's or it. have the potential to be, which is... 100%. Yeah. Um, also really good to see old school producers like, you know, White Oak, Egashima Distillery. Oh, yeah. They're in Kobe, Hyogo, and shochu makers again. And for the longest time, you know. They only produce whiskey three months out of the year. Too little. Too yeah. little. You know, back when we first met, you know, they had a 12 years old product on the market. Incredible. Amazing. Yeah, they're 14 as well. And that was pretty much the, my first exposure with their whiskeys, you know. Yeah. This 12-year-old, really rough, really umami kind of whiskey. Yeah. Then it was followed up by the 14 and then the 15. The 15 was probably my least favorite out of the three. Okay. I think yeah, my 14 yeah. was... The, the 14, 14 was sensational. Yeah, because that was the cognac cask as well. Brandy I believe cask, it yeah. was. Yeah. It's a while back now. <laughs> yeah. But after that, you know, they, had, they didn't have enough stocks and everything was three years old, three years old, five years old. Yeah. And now we're slowly seeing age statements coming back on again, eight years old, 12 years old. Yeah, that's yep. good. And they are a distillery that they do make a really robust spirit. Very robust, yes. And it needs Small a bit more time. Stills. Yeah, it needs yep. a bit more time, needs a bit more breaking down because it can it. be quite quite challenging. Yep. yep. And unless you're actively looking for something that is that, oh, I like to use the word rotund, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you, you definitely need to... Yep. Take your time with it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it can be very, very challenging. Yeah. And so on top of all this, you know, there's a lot of like micro distilleries popping up. Yeah. Some are being built right now. Some don't even have products on the market yet. No. But uh, yeah, there's Ni- been an explosion. Yeah. It's the distillery Nigata. Uh, user. User. User distillery. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, right. They're doing some great stuff, but they're also very young. Yep. They've got two products in the market right now. Yep. There's yeah. a young distillery that is intending to make whiskey that just released um, a bottled new make, and that mm. one best new make in the world. Oh, no well, way. whiskey awards recently. Oh no way! Which one's yeah. that? Um, I wish I could remember the name. Oh good. Okay. We will. We yeah. will work it out. Yeah. And then you've got like guys like Okayama Distillery. Yeah. They've been at it for maybe about six, seven years now. So I think fairly soon we might see like more of their whiskeys on the market. Yeah. But from what I've tasted from them, special releases, they're all truly fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. And they're mainly a sake maker. Yeah. Mm. It's a perfect time to be alive, to be drinking Japanese so alcohol. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely. So much happening, so much experimentation, innovation, so like much. we've been talking about. Well, thank you so much for all your knowledge. It's been My so pleasure. great to chat to you about this topic that I know we're both really excited about. Definitely, yeah. And we're also just constantly learning about at the moment, which so is... So much to learn, so much more. so much. Mm. And our exposure to it over in Australia is very limited, yep. but we try our best. That's <laughs> it, that's it. We're getting there. <laughs> Uh, well, I've got the same four questions I've got for everyone at the end of this uh, right, these okay. chats, mm-hmm. and I just want very quick fire answers. Okay. You haven't seen the questions, so first one: What was the first drink you ever had? A beer. What was the last drink you had that you really enjoyed? Ooh. A whiskey. A whiskey. Do you know which one? It was a forty-two years old Secret Highland Distillery from a Boutique Whiskey Company. Oh wow! Okay, Amazing. I've got questions for you about that later <laughs> on. What do you normally drink when you finish work? A beer. <laughs> a beer. And then often called the bartender's handshake, Fernet Brunker. <laughs> do you actually enjoy it or do you just tell people you do? Excuse my language. I fucking hate it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That, you know, that's me and I understand that I'm a masochist. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining me today. It's always so great to catch up with you. and you Likewise. Know, it's been an honor. Chat. Thank you for having me, mate. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Lucky. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Spirited Discussions. I hope you had as much fun as I have and have been able to take away something you didn't know. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And please join me next time on Spirited Discussions. Okay.